what we found out subsequently is that the corner of our house caught fire 10 minutes after we left and the entire house was gone 10 minutes after that. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more. And by that, I mean how they focus on productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows, I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future. But rest assured that the stories, tips and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Angela Lee. When Angela, author of the Bella Santini book series, isn't dreaming up dragons, monsters and other magical beings, she gratefully wanders through the sumptuously beautiful woods and meadows of the Cotswold area of England. Angela is very much in touch with her inner child and finds that she cannot walk by a swing set without stopping to play. Having overcome many hardships and traumas herself, Angela is passionate about helping others learn the tools and techniques they need to overcome adversity. As an author, all of her books include tools for emotional stability that readers can implement in their own lives. In addition to her work as an author, Angela is a certified quantum shift facilitator, helping people to connect to the truth of who they really are. Through her stories, Angela specialises in opening the hearts and minds of adults and children to the magic they have inside. Bella Santini, In the Land of Everlasting Change, is the first book in a fairy tale series intended to open the hearts and minds of readers to empowering consciousness concepts. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Angela Lee, author of the Bella Santini Chronicles. Welcome Angela, thanks for joining me. Hello, I am so pleased to be on your show. Thank you so much. So start by telling us a bit about who you are, what you do. I think I've hinted at that slightly already and where you do it. Okay, so I'm Angela Lee, and I'm an author. I've written three, well, in three self-help anthologies for adults. And now I'm writing a series of children's fairy tales. Mm-hmm. And where do you do that? Where are you based? Are you in an office? And do you work from home? How does all that work? <laughs> like many people, I work from home. Um, I'm based in Cheltenham, UK right now. Lovely. <laughs> As you say, it's, it's a bit of a, 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 a not required question at the moment, isn't it? Do you work from a home office? <laughs> I find fewer and fewer people actually go to an office these days. Yes, yes, exactly. So tell us about how this all came about. Um, many people say they, they'd love to be an author and they'd love to write a book. And clearly you've written a number of them now. Where did that all come from? Yeah, so I'm going to give you a real, hopefully short 
<laughs> bio of me. So I was born in San Francisco, California, and I lived in Northern California for all my life until I moved here. When I was four years old, my house burned down. And at the time, I so I was four and I had gone through this significant trauma. Um, my parents were unable to find a rental where they would allow four little kids. So they couldn't find housing. They shipped us kids out. So my sister and I went and lived with a friend of the family who I didn't know. And so I was separated from my mother and father at the age of four, right after significant trauma for about three or four months. And that really kind of played a role in how I lived my life, mm -hmm. um, that abandoned feeling. And it's through no fault of my parents, mm -hmm. um, kind of made me, well, what I would say is I, I grew up without having self-love. And so um, I ended up in a marriage that was toxic. I played a role in it, as did he. So I am not casting any blame at this time. Yeah. Um, but it was a toxic marriage and it wasn't good for either one of us in the long run. I stayed in that marriage for 30 years because I didn't value myself. But one night in 2017, I was awakened at 1.30 in the morning by a phone call, and it was a robotic phone call saying, wildfire in your neighborhood, evacuate immediately. I quickly got out of bed, opened the back door, and what I saw and heard was unreal. The sky at 1.30 in the morning was a brilliant orange. And the noise sounded like a freight train and a lion roaring combined. And it was unreal, unworldly, and very scary. So I shut the door. I woke up my ex-husband and I said, we have to evacuate. And within 10 minutes, we left. The only thing we had were um, I had grabbed some photo albums he grabbed some business paperwork. Um, we got in one of the cars. We had the dog and all the dog stuff because yeah. that was important. Yeah. And we left the house not knowing if we were going to be able to return. And what we found out subsequently is that the corner of our house caught fire 10 minutes after we left and the entire house was gone 10 minutes after that. Yeah. So in 10 minutes, a large single family home was reduced to a two foot pile of ash. That is how voracious that particular fire was. And that night, 5,000 homes were destroyed in my town and 25 people lost their life. It was just a nightmare of a night. Mm. And 
in the long run, that was my awakening. That was um, when, when you lose all the things that keep you busy in your life and all you have is your relationship. You don't have anything but your relationship and you know that the relationship isn't good for you. That's when you have to decide is, is this the life you want to live? For me, the answer was no. So I left my marriage about six months later, I quit my job and I moved across the ocean and started this life of being an author. So my first introduction to writing was right after um, in January of 2018. So the fire was in October 17. My um, first introduction to writing was January of 18, when I saw a Facebook post by a friend that said she was looking for female authors to write about adversity. So I messaged her and I said, well, I actually have lived through a wildfire and um, had to rebuild my life. And so perhaps I could be in the book. And she agreed. So (laughs) that was my introduction. That book is called Ignite Your Life for Women. And there are 35 authors, one of which is me. And each chapter tells a tale of adversity, but ends with action steps of what the person did to overcome the adversity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's how I got my start. And Mm -hmm. it's not a, not a recommended way for people to start writing. Not everybody needs a fire to get them into their dream job. (laughs) No, exactly. So as ever with my guests, so many questions um, from that for me. So, um, oh, I don't even know where to start. Um, (laughs) um, You were in an area where there seems to be, I don't know if this has always been the case, but there seems to be a lot of fires happening in in recent years. I guess it is probably getting worse, but is it, did you always have a concern that that might be an option that 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 might happen in your area or was it absolutely out of the blue it was out of the blue it wasn't even on the radar the last time a wildfire swept through the area prior to 2017 was in 1964 right yeah and so it wasn't you know it was like every 50 years you could expect something like that but subsequent to 2017 there was a fire in 18 19 and 20 so things are different yeah big difference and and presumably there were some triggers around the original house fire as well at that stage and did you did you oh yes were you expecting that did you you know know that that was going to happen well um the reason I grabbed the photo albums is because I remember as a young child standing behind my mother yes she rifled through a box of photos that had sort of survived the fire. They were, they were smoke damaged. They were 
burned around the edges and they were water damaged from the firefighting. So I remember her crying and I, so that stayed with me. The first thing I did was grab photo albums because everything else, your towels, your art, everything is replaceable, but those photos aren't. No, no. And you talked about when that happened, when you sort of were farmed out to the the friends when you were young, that that caused a sort of ongoing issue around lack of self-love. And then you talked about, you know, having a a sort of toxic marriage. Mm -hmm. What? Obviously, a lot has happened to you in the last sort of three years. Um, You know, not just lost your home, you know, split up with your husband. You've moved across the world. Yes, I did. Completely different career. I mean, what, what did you do? before when you had a job I was a government administrator right so not writing as such but probably <laughs> writing but pl- perhaps less policy yeah <laughs> <laughs> not the same <laughs> so it's it feels like that there has been a, a massive transition there's been some real growth for you um the, the fire the situation was obviously a trigger for it but what do you think's carried you through You know, it's interesting because that first book, the Ignite Your Life for Women book, um, I wrote it actually after I left the marriage. And I was, um, I had decided that the, the action steps were going to be about forgiveness. And what I was at the time where I was in my growth pattern was, thinking I was forgiving him. And so, um, you know, I, I wrote about Ho'oponopono, which is a method of forgiveness that actually affects you as well as the person that you're thinking of that you believe has harmed you. Um, but what for me, I came to the realization that my lack of self-love meant that I did not set boundaries and it meant that I allowed myself to be subject to behaviors that most people would not allow themselves to be subject to. And so For me, I came to the realization that can I blame him or do I have to take some responsibility for where I was? And I'm not saying that this is true for everybody. (laughs) I'm just talking about what worked for me. Um, What I did was through Ho'oponopono, I learned that I forgave myself for my choices, as well as forgiving him for his choices. And it was a very powerful growth period for me. Yeah. And how did, how did your sort of section of that book stack up against other people's? <laughs> the reason I ask you is I was involved in a, in a book like that, um, I don't know, probably about 10 or so years ago. And um, I had quite a sort of benign thing to share. I was talking about, I don't know, a business 
realization mm-hmm. I'd had around networking or something. It was really, you know, just sort of a normal ish thing. And then I read the book and like nearly everyone else had really dramatic, you know, one of my <laughs> friends um, who I know really well now had been incarcerated um, falsely in America for four years. And oh my. Her children were like six and eight and, and, uh, you know she, all of those things that was like the flavor of most of the book and I felt like a complete fraud because I <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> I hadn't um, uh, quite as traumatic happen at that at that moment but um you know that- though the the truth is that um we all have traumatic things in our lives yeah yeah and to compare our trauma against someone else's is fraught with peril mm, yeah. <laughs> because everybody responds to trauma differently. Yeah. And so, um, you know, someone who has the ability to change, change easily. Like I am an example of someone I can, I can make change and it's not a problem for me, but there are other people who have a comfort zone and, they they're afraid of change Mm -hmm. so for them it would be more traumatic than what it would be for me Mm -hmm. and so to compare trauma stories yes Yes, exactly and I think as well you know I I'm very open in in real life but I wouldn't write things I wouldn't like things sort of printed for posterity that were too personal so I probably wouldn't share that myself anyway albeit I'm a very open person you know in conversation yeah and I I have had people um who looked who judged me for being as open as I am but the way I look at it is if if my story can inspire one person then it's worth sharing it Yes, yes, absolutely. So that was that was book one. What happened after that? <laughs> well, I wrote a second book. It was a more local book. So this was 20 authors, me doing one chapter. This was also on forgiveness and also really around the fire because this book was all fire victims <laughs> that were right. writing in the book. And then um, I had an adventure. The third book was Ignite Your Travel Adventure Spirit. And that was written around a um, near drowning I had in Portugal. Wow. (laughs) It was my own fault. (laughs) I swam in in a heavy seas ocean that I shouldn't have been swimming in. Uh huh. Um, however, I did make it and the, um, the learning that came from that little adventure was pretty powerful. Um, what I walked away with from that was an understanding of what surrender and going with the flow truly meant because what saved me was my friend saying, Angie, when the waves push you back just float and when they're bringing you in swim like heck yeah and I thought wow that is such a roadmap for life (laughs) yeah yeah so that's the third book and then 
the Bella Santini Chronicles book, which are my children's book, um, I have really wrapped some emotional intelligence lessons for kids into the book um, because by learning a sense of self at a young age, perhaps they won't need a fire when they're in their middle ages to wake up. Yeah. So wake up to their own value because everyone is so valuable. Yeah. So who is it aimed at? What sort of ages and, and what's the sort of um, the pitch? If I were to pitch this to a child or a parent. <laughs> <laughs> I think the pitch is different for child. Children yeah, absolutely. So um, for children, it, the book is aimed at age eight to 11. And I would say that the pitch to children is, do you like fairies and strong female leads? Or maybe dragons, trolls, and wraiths. Um, do you like adventure? Yeah. This book will be fun for you to read. Uh-huh. For adults, it would be perhaps when you read this book series to your children, they will learn that truly expressing their feelings and having a voice is very important to their growth and that suppression of feelings can lead to dis-ease with a dash, like dis-dash-ease. Mm-hmm. Um, and that for their children to learn to feel and express their feelings is a lesson that will serve them throughout their lifetime. Hmm. You've sold me on it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting. I ran across a video on YouTube. It was um, Mr. Rogers of Mr. Rogers neighborhood. And he, he was, um, In front of Congress in 1968, he was speaking about his program and what he was trying to do was save funding for public television in America. And what he said was, my program teaches kids that their emotions are mentionable and manageable. And what my, I realized, you know, that's that's exactly what my book does. So my book takes kids down that rabbit hole and um, does the same service Mm -hmm. for mental health in whatever country, you know, in America, certainly, but in the UK, in Canada, in Australia, whatever country that the book is read. So how did you turn your experience and the sort of having written some books thing into it being a children's book and a series and so on because it's (laughs) a onerous thing to do and not and not again not what everyone would have done (laughs) 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 right um what happened was I had started writing a little fairy tale for a friend's daughter 
And I had no intention of being an author of children's books. I was just on a lark playing with the story. But the story kept growing. And I realized at some point that there were life lessons in the story. (laughs) And and that's when I thought, well, I need to turn this into a book. So I I wrote the first book and it was 55,000 words. I found a publisher. The publisher said, that's too long. You need to split the book into two. So now I had book one and book two, just miraculously. (laughs) And at the time, I had already written about 25,000 words in what I thought was book two, but now it's book three. Yes. And so it was like in just an instant, I had three books and a series without (laughs) without even trying. Yeah. So I won't ask you questions about how do you, you know, get inspired and keep going then. Um, What I'm intrigued about is that whole sort of moving, not just countries, but continents. I mean, it's, it's something that's quite a, you know, I don't know, a pipe dream for a lot of people. It's something that people have often said they'd like to do, but most people don't end up doing. Um, Yeah. What what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, what happened is when I quit my government job, I went on a two month trip through Europe Uh and as I was lugging my luggage around, I realized I am not afraid. There's no wildfires here. Yes. <laughs> and so I, I decided at that moment that I'm going to move to this part of the world. And I chose England, which is so green. You know, they, they actually did have a wildfire on the moors this year. Yeah. Yeah. But the the towns are not likely to be struck by wildfire. No, no. <laughs> so I can sleep fairly easily. Yeah. 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 Um, but what I would say that it is quite an undertaking to move across a continent and um, or, you know, over an ocean. Yes. And this move was complicated by COVID because I arrived in Cheltenham in October at the end of October. Uh And I didn't know anyone. So I had to, between October and January, I started building a community for myself here. Mm -hmm. And then COVID happened. And all of a sudden, I was living alone, all by myself, no one to talk to for weeks on it. That was another transformative time for me where I learned to truly, truly love myself. Because when there's no one but yourself, you better like yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I hadn't sort of factored that into the to the conversation that, as you say, you know, you'd left your country, left your marriage, anything else. But yeah, COVID meant something even 
more different not not just not knowing people but uh not having that community around you already that you would naturally have had had you lived there for there, yeah. yes yeah 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 so what do your days look like how, how what does what does an author do <laughs> <laughs> well um my days start with meditation and I uh-huh. do that every single day so it might be a half an hour it might be an hour um, what I really love to do is get a get up early while it's still dark outside and just contemplate and watch the sunrise and then go into an, a meditation. Mm-hmm. So here, there's not necessarily sunrise, but I can watch the sky grow lighter in the morning mm-hmm. <laughs> before I go into meditation. Um, and then... I like every once in a while, I like to go out and just meet people and chat in a coffee shop um, because those interactions with people can speak to my story. For instance, I was in Exmouth and I met a woman who told me a story of a, a baby that had been left in her store. And she ended up adopting and raising this baby. Wow. That story made it into my book. Yeah, Yeah, because it was such a good fit for my book. This, um, you know, how to explore the sense of abandonment and what, what that means to a person. Yes, yeah. But just on, on that note, um, before we sort of talk about more practical things you you started your sort of explanation of how you got to where you got to by exactly that you talked about those feelings of abandonment for you and how that sort of then impacted your life um clearly you had the fire um you know your life's changed a lot and so on um and you talked about I can never say the word hoponopono hoponopono yeah um is that what helped you to move through right from that sort of age four sort of issue in terms of the abandonment piece. I mean, obviously a lot of it, I guess, will be tied up in concepts that you are writing about, but where did that come from for you? Cause it's quite new by the sound of it in terms of. Yeah. So, uh, well, Ho'oponopono was very powerful in healing the wounds of my marriage uh-huh. would have been related to that abandonment issue of childhood. So yes, Ho'opono, Ho'oponopono did play a role in healing from my childhood. But when I was a child, I didn't, there was no psychologist, there was no um, even really discussion of the effect of all of that mm-hmm. on a child. So, um, you know, like I say, I know my parents did the best that they could and they brought the family back together as quickly as they could. But there is still a, um, a conclusion that a four-year-old comes to when that kind of thing happens. Yes. Yeah. 
And how did do you discover discover the hopon? I still can't say it. Hopopono. <laughs> I did a lot of research on forgiveness when right. I was um, initially. It was how do I heal because. One of the things that I have realized um, is that a lot of times we look at things outside of ourselves and we we say, that's going to make us happy. So leaving my marriage, I'll be happy if I leave this toxic marriage. I'll be happy if I move across the ocean and don't have wildfire to deal with. And all of that is true and at the same time, true happiness comes from inside. Mm -hmm. And so all these things we think will make us happy, those are outside of us. We only find that true, deep sense of happiness when we have self-love. So all of this was a journey for me to get to the point of self-love uh-huh yeah yeah it's interesting that i i've heard of that um concept through another coach who i just happened to have been connected with for a long time but i've never really known anything about it so it's certainly something worth investigating i think <laughs> yeah and there's if so I will send you how it's spelled so that you can practice. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, the thing that really convinced me was I read a story. Um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, I believe, writes this in a book of his, mm -hmm. but I found it on the internet. Um, there was a psychologist named Len Hugh who worked at a, um, it was a, a hospital, psychological hospital for deeply disturbed people in Hawaii in 1984. Mm -hmm. And he was hired. The other psychologists started complaining about him because he stayed in his office. He never met with any of the clients. He stayed in his office with their files and he did Ho'oponopono eight hours a day for each of the, I'll say, clients. So fast forward a year and... When, when Dr. Hugh was hired, the employees of the hospital walked around in fear. They walked with their back to the wall. The clients were in chains. Um, no one was let outside. A year later, he had never even talked to any of the clients. A year later, they were beginning to heal and they were, the clients were unchained and they were allowed outside for a little bit of time. And as the time, so he worked for this hospital for three years and he did Ho'oponopono eight hours a day for three years straight. And by the end, 
the hospital, the end of the three years when he left, the hospital had no clients. They had all been released as healed. That's a powerful story. Indeed. <laughs> hmm. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. So moving on to talking about some sort of more practical things. <laughs> <laughs> you um we were talking about sort of how your days go. What how do you how do you do what you do how do you use technology do you just do you just use a pen and paper <laughs> uh, I definitely use technology oh. I google docs is very handy for me to um you know I place my stories on google docs and then share it with editors and publishers etc uh-huh. uh-huh. um, dropbox is indispensable for me <laughs> because I have it helps me keep everything sorted And having gone through a fire where I lost a computer and lost all the documents, having that cloud storage is indispensable. Um, The other tools that I use are um, Zoom quite often to do podcasts, Skype to do podcasts, and um, hmm. I'm beginning to record meditations for people on and have them on my website. So um, really simple recording, voice recording apps. Mm-hmm. So most of my guests come on here and say that they use pen and paper. I was expecting an author to say they did and you don't, but I guess as you <laughs> say, they sort of having gone through two fires, I guess, even if you, hadn't been drawn towards technology it starts to become that becomes part of the reason as you've just said isn't it indeed yeah Yeah. um having having lost because the first Bella book started quite differently (laughs) when when it was in its original version and that was lost and I had to start over again yeah so yeah yeah. Mm. so what about sort of learning and improving yourself? You've, you've clearly focused on that um, over certainly recent years, as we've talked a lot during the podcast. Mm-hmm. How, how do you do that? How do you discover these things? How do you learn? Well, for me, um, I am a voracious learner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, have, um, I have read so many books and... Joe Dispenza, um, oh gosh, what is her, Chris, I think it's Christina North. Um, I've, I'm delving into Gene Keys by Richard Rood right now, which um, is kind of a, a way of contemplating your perspective on life. And um, I have taken so many online classes, <laughs> including public speaking by Eric Edmeads. So, oh. yeah. It's amazing, isn't it, how much is available now that um, wasn't before. I was talking to somebody the other day and saying that she needed to check out the MOOCs, you know, the massive open online courses. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, by the time you've got things like that and all the 
Udemy and Coursera and all those sorts of places and then the TED Talks and, and so on. It's um there's such a a a variety of things yeah. that we can um ingest in order to learn and grow. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when I was younger, it was go down the library or buy a tape. Oh. <laughs> Not quite the same. <laughs> it was such a library, um, you know, I, I, w- I was a bookworm, and so you could find me in a library as a yes. child. <laughs> <laughs> so the last couple of questions, then. firstly, what about those days where it all goes horribly wrong? We've had a bad mm. day. What, how do you deal with those? There have been so many. <laughs> <laughs> I came home from... So recently I was in the U.S. I um, did an author event and, and then visited my family and then came back home to the U.K. And on the day I arrived, I got to my house and I had no Internet. And I was devastated because I was faced with two weeks of quarantine. Yes. <laughs> no access to the outside world. Wow. And then... Two days later, and by the way, I still don't have internet. I'm using my neighbor's Wi-Fi to do this. <laughs> so <laughs> I do hope Vodafone gets this fixed soon. Yeah. <laughs> and then two days later, for some reason, I lost cell access. And I thought, wow, what's going on? Why am I being put into this place of zero communication (laughs) and zero ability to entertain myself or, you know, because I, I don't subscribe to TV. I, I read or I Mm -hmm. sometimes watch Netflix movies. Um, And what I had to do with that was just go into curiosity I wonder, is there a lesson in here for me? Yes. I wonder, is, huh, is, is this about me becoming comfortable being sitting just with me and nothing else? Mm. And indeed it was. <laughs> so I ended up being able to do that. And mm. so. You can approach the life with that whole thing about what's this for and what does it teach me. I guess that that really can make those difficult times, if not sort of better in the moment, at least more worthwhile, I guess. Absolutely. Having that curious approach to it. um, Mm. Wow. Where's the lesson in this for me? Yes can really shift a perspective out of victim. I am the victim of Vodafone into, okay, yes. maybe this is happening for a reason. And maybe the reason is that I need to be able to sit with myself. Yes. Yeah. And what about those days where you get to live more? And that's where I say that you get um, to more than you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do. Those are my favorite days. <laughs> So um, here in in the Cotswolds, a live more day would be a day where I spend five or six hours hiking and I get to experience just the wide variety of sites that are available 
to those of us who can walk in this area. Mm -hmm. So going from farmland to forest, to cliffside, to um, fields of sunflowers, to fields of poppies, to, you know, it's just, there's such a variety of beauty to be seen in this area. That truly fills my soul. Um, But also it can be the little things because not every day can I do a five or six hour walk. Um, So the little things about um, currently, you know, it's raining and there is a um, plethora of leaves on the ground. (laughs) And so (laughs) for me, putting on my rain boots and just jumping into a rain puddle and watching it splash and laughing um, or jumping into a pile of leaves and kicking them up and watching them flutter around those childish, silly um, steps away from adulthood. The seriousness of adulthood um, is another way for me to truly feel like I'm living. Mm. Mm. You've, you've painted a, a lovely picture there, although it was slightly tinged by um, the scene out of Vicar of Dibley where she goes to jump in a puddle and it turns out to be like a sinkhole and she <laughs> <laughs> I do choose the rain puddles that are on concrete. So. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so wise. If you haven't seen it, you should Google it. Vicar of Dibley puddle. That's all you need to Google. <laughs> okay, I will Google that. Thank you. And that is a, a lovely, um, unexpected picture to see. <laughs> lovely. So it's been great interviewing you today, Angela. Tell people how they can find out more about you and get in touch. Thank you. My website, which is www.angela, A-N-G-E-L-A, Lee, L-E-G-H, dot com, um, has access to my um, the adult self-help books, access to the Bella Santini Chronicles. It's got meditations. There's several free that people can download and then some of them that are paid. And also my blog. So the blog is completely free. Anyone interested in um, learning about a different perspective, adopting a different perspective that may serve them can access my blog. Brilliant. Thanks, Angela. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. And that Bella book is available on Amazon starting tomorrow. So I'm oh. so excited. <laughs> It'll definitely be on there because this will be coming out in December. So uh, check it out. <laughs> Beautiful. Lovely. Thank you. Attention home-based coaches and consultants. Are you tired of feeling alone, isolated and frustrated with running your home-based coaching or consulting business? Are you sick of feeling like your life would be better and you'd be happier if you felt more organised and productive? Do you feel like there's simply not enough time in a day to get all the things done that you need to do to build a successful business while making time to live more? It's time to stop the isolation and start getting more organised, productive and focused on the skills that will move the needle forward. 
it's time to join the Power to Live More Calm membership. If you're ready to, stop creating the wheel and focus on the things that truly matter in your life and business, learn what you need to know to be successful and live more, get accountability help from a group of like-minded home-based business owners, to learn more about the Power to Live More Calm membership program and apply, visit powertolivemore.com slash get calm. Use your power to live more.